Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Hey, everyone. It's Ted from Consumer Cellular, the guy in the orange sweater, and this is your wake-up call. If you're paying too much for wireless service, you don't have to keep having that nightmare. Consumer Cellular has the same fast, reliable coverage as the leading carriers for less. And for a limited time, new customers receive their second month free when they sign up and use promo code MONTHFREE by May 31st. So why keep spending more than you have to? Seriously, wake up and call 1-888-FREEDOM or visit ConsumerCellular.com. Taxes, fees, and other third-party charges will apply. See website for additional details. You never want to find yourself out on the water fishing without the essentials. So it's best to always pack a Columbia PFG Solar Stream Elite hoodie to protect against the sun. I mean, it provides great protection, and it's really breathable so you don't get hot. That's a win-win. Columbia PFG has a lot of great gear. So before you head out on the water, head over to Columbia.com PFG to shop their performance fishing gear. Welcome to Cavs HQ, presented by Sherwin-Williams. Thank you for joining us on the Cleveland Cavaliers Radio Network. Now, here are your hosts, Tim Alcorn and Jim Jones. From the Cavaliers Radio Studios in Rocket Mortgage Fieldhouse in downtown Cleveland. Hi again, everybody. Welcome to Cavs HQ, presented by Sherwin-Williams. I'll tell you what, Jim Jones, uh, first and foremost, an early happy Thanksgiving to you. But we're going to have some fun on tonight's show. Uh, The Legends Chair is actually an announcing legend. Uh, Mike Breen, you've dipped into that black book of yours and pulled out a great name in Mike Breen. And then, of course, uh, a lot to talk about with the Cavs. Number one pick in the draft, fifth overall, Isaac Okoro. The thing I like about him is that he is a true forward. Uh, and let me define a true forward. A true forward is someone that can run with the guards, do what the guards do. That is the new profile for a small forward. This kid can do it. Now, Cavs faithful, if you think they've been playing fast, wait now when you've got somebody six seven, six eight, athletic and likes to run who can run with Sexton and Garland and Porter and Wendler. Oh, my goodness. Speed. <laughs> Exciting times, no doubt, are in the future. So we'll talk about Isaac Okoro, but up next, as I said, really the voice of NBA basketball, Mike Breen. He's going to join Jim Jones and yours truly, Tim Elkhorn, on Cavs HQ, presented by Sherwin-Williams, right after this. a timeout. Decide not to use it. Curry! Way downtown! Bang! Bang! Oh, what a shot from Curry! With six tenths of a second remaining! James catches, puts up a three. Wall go! Rebound box! Back out to Allen! History title! Bang! Tie game with five seconds remaining! Walton can tip it. Bryant with the save. Oh, you gotta get a shot here. Final seconds. Bryant for the win! Bang! Oh, my. Welcome back to Cavs HQ, presented by Sherwin-Williams, Tim Elkhorn, along with Jim Jones, and, yes, the legendary, iconic voice of NBA basketball, Mike Breen. Boy, the hair on my arms is standing up. 
I would think all of our listeners are getting some goosebumps as well. Mike Breen now joins us in the Legends Chair. And, Mike, uh, the Legends Chair as part of Cavs HQ is uh, it's usually been for players, but you certainly are a legendary announcer as far as the history and those iconic calls in the NBA are concerned. So uh, we'll allow you to sit in the Legends chair here during Cavs HQ. But it's great to have you, and we're honored that you stopped by to join us. Well, thank you very much for the kind words. I'm going to dispute you on the Legends word. Uh, It's clear to me that you guys have run out of quality guests. And are now, uh, now now going much much lower, but thank you. And when I hear the, when I hear those calls, I mean those are some such fun moments to do. But when I hear them now later, I'm thinking, who is that screaming fool? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've had a couple of those myself, but not not to your level. But I do want to ask you, just first and foremost, uh, you know, here in Cleveland, uh, the iconic Joe Tate, wham, with the right hand, and it, he said it just came to him one night. Where did you come up with bang on a big shot? Where did that come from? It, it came from Tim when I was a student at Fordham University, and I was doing a lot of the Fordham games on the on a college radio station. But I didn't start it on the air. I, when I when I wasn't doing the games, I would sit in the stands with a bunch of my college buddies, and you know we would cheer on our college team. And when a Fordham player hit a big shot. I just started yelling it in the stands, you know, it's kind of a, just because we'd get fired up when our team was doing well. And then I started using it on the air after that. But it started as a fan yelling it when I was uh, when I was turning on my Fordham Rams. Well, certainly uh, your trip through the NBA is legendary, even though you don't want us to use that word. Uh, you'll be entering your 29th year with the Knicks. Uh, is it 15 now at the network level as far as NBA basketball is concerned? Uh Boy, you talk about dreams coming true. This has to be an extraordinary journey for you. Well, Tim, you said it. I mean, it's not something I, I even dreamed of. Um, you know, I just loved the game when I was a kid, went to school hoping that someday I could maybe broadcast an NBA basketball and to be able to to do the kind of games I've been able to do, to work with the kind of people that I've been able to work with. Um, it has so far exceeded my dreams. I mean, I couldn't even think of dreams like this, so... I do feel like I'm the luckiest uh, person in our business, uh, especially, again, with when you get surrounded by great analysts. And I, and I have to tell you, and, and I'm sure uh, he has said it to you, you know, it all starts when you do um, smaller productions back when you first break into the business. And one of the truly big breaks I had was I worked for a company called Sports Channel America, and I was doing the high school games of the week. And that's the first time I really work with, like, really quality analysts and one of the analysts uh, happened to be the great Jim Jones who taught me so much about the game and um, we had such a blast and such a good time (laughs) doing high school games together way back when and that really is those are the type of things that mean the most to you when you when you get older is is the relationships and the lifetime friendships that you that you get and and you never forget the the kind of uh, experience and, and knowledge that people pass along to you, and that included uh, your partner, Mr. Jones. Well, Jim, I'll let you take it from here. Well, let me wipe these tears first. Uh, the the thing about Brini uh, uh, is that when we were doing the high school game of the week, that was my first show, and it, and uh, and I don't know, and you had been doing college stuff, but 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 uh, we had a producer named Steve Dance. He was our mentor. We cried on his shoulder. 
He pushed us. He was our teacher and gave us leadership. We did those games. What was Breeny? Was it all summer? We did we, we we did the best high school players in the country's high school games. Right, but it was it was during the winter during the high school was, basketball okay. season. Yeah, I mean they put out a whole. It was every Friday night. We did a game every Friday night. Yeah, and the thing about it is that the meals that we had were greater than the games. <laughs> Do you remember well, those you, bills? You, you, Four and five hundred dollar food bills. Thing is the meal the night before. <laughs> yeah, but uh, but but I do want to congratulate you on, on uh, your uh, current success because it's not over, and uh, in many ways it's just beginning because we don't know where this league is going. But I did want to harp on something that I, I looked up yesterday. I I had forgotten that you had did a, Olympic games and some some of them most of them weren't weren't basketball at the time, right? Well, I did uh, for the Summer Olympics. I I did for NBC. I worked the men's and the women's. Um, okay. which was a treat because it really taught me a lot about the, the women's game as well, in addition to doing you know the greatest players in the world for the men. But I also did yeah. this, some Winter Olympics, and I did uh, ski jumping one year. And that, that's, I, that's about as much fun as I've ever had because I knew not only did I know nothing about skiing when I got the assignment, I had never been on skis in my life. <laughs> Um, yet again, I, I worked with this guy, Jeff Hastings, who was a, a, an American ski jumper who was in the Olympics. And Jeff, he took care of all the technical aspects, uh, what to look for. I just would say uh, the skier's name, where he came from, what place he was in, and Jeff would take wow. it away. And it was so much fun because I learned so much. And I was on the air all that time. And, and I felt in many ways that I was good for the audience because I was asking the questions they were asking because I didn't know anything either. Um, and <laughs> yeah, that was, that yeah. was great fun to do a sport to, to get me out of my comfort zone. Tim, I just want to add Go ahead, to that. Ben. Could you see the style of play of basketball, the European style now and the Olympic style, a little, a little, a little bit different. Could you see this coming the way we play now based on the way they were playing through, through those Olympics? You know, that's, that's a great thought, Jimmy. I, I um, I didn't recognize it at the time, certainly, but there's no doubt it has had, it has had a big influence uh, on the way the game is played now, um, and in a good way, I, I think. And I also think that you know so many of the European players, <clears throat> if you remember, for a long time when they would come over, um, you know they'd had the skill level, but the word was uh, that they weren't tough enough, uh, right. or they weren't physical enough. Um, but it's it's just the opposite now. They are tough enough and physical enough. And in some ways, playing in Europe, in some of the, the top European leagues and international leagues, the brand of ball is actually more physical sometimes than it is in the NBA now because of some of the rule changes over the years. So to see both um, sides kind of incorporate the best of each of their games, um, I think has been really, really pretty cool to watch. And, Mike, before we break, I, I did want to have a little fun here going back to your skiing calls. You know, if a skier kind of landed uh, perfectly coming off a hill, did you say, bang, when he came down? <laughs> it, was that no, part of the skiing no. call? <laughs> you know, in, in hindsight, Tim, that would have been that would have probably been a good idea, although the, the ski community would have thought I was out of my mind. But I should have given him at least one shot. <laughs> All right, we're talking with Mike Breen, the legendary, iconic voice of the NBA and also of the New York Knicks. He's joining us here on Cavs HQ, presented by Sherwin Williams. We'll hear more from Mike right after this. <laughs> Iguodala to Curry, back 
puts it up. It's good. Kyrie Irving from downtown. And the Cavaliers by three. Iguodala to inbound. Shepard trying to stay with Curry. Catches one dribble, steps back, puts up a three. Won't go. Rebound tip taken by Spades. Final seconds. It's over. It's over. Cleveland is a city of champions once again. The Cavaliers are NBA champions. Oh, my. June of 2016. Yes. The shot, the block, the stop, and the Cavaliers are NBA champions. And, of course, those great calls from our guest on Cavs HQ, presented by Sherwin-Williams, Mike Breen. Mike, I want to go back to the Kyrie three-pointer. I've had people actually say to me, that might be the biggest shot, single biggest shot in NBA Finals history. When you think about everything rolled into it, down 3-1, on the road, everything. Uh, you've called all these NBA Finals. Uh, where does that one singular shot rank in your listings? Oh, it's it's absolutely up there in terms of impact of winning a championship uh, at that particular time. Um there's no doubt. Now, it's, I think it's really hard to rank exactly one, two, three, four, or, you know, with that. But it's in the conversation as one of the biggest shots in the history of the, of the NBA Finals. You know, you played the Ray Allen shot a little bit earlier. Um, that's another one because if he misses that shot, well, then the Spurs win the championship. So yeah, that yeah. shot, actually, one particular shot, determined uh, who won and who lost at least at that particular moment. But Irving's shot is right up there with it uh, because if he doesn't hit that, uh, I mean, the whole the whole thing changes. It, it's really incredible, Tim, how, you know, we do this for so long and, and we applaud the champions and you kind of forget about the people that came so close. It's amazing how many big games, and Jimmy knows this as well as anybody, how many gim- big games and how many quote-unquote um, uh, legendary status is put on people and the difference in the, a big win and a big loss is often one made shot or one missed shot. It's incredible how that makes a difference in terms of you know, how you perceive a player or a franchise because one shot that missed wasn't able to get them the victory or the one shot that goes in uh, able to put them over the top. It's, it's, it's a very fine line between winning and losing. Well, no doubt. Jim? I want to ask you about some of your, uh, your partners, your, your color analysts, and one in particular – and uh, I want to start out with him, but there's two others. There's three others that I want you just to just give us just a one-sentence uh, defining uh, uh, commentary on them. But the gentleman who I loved the most, who set the tone for the way I wanted to broadcast, was John Andres. Andres, tell us a little bit about John. Um, for those who don't know, John was a longtime analyst on Nick's telecast with Marv Albert. And then I had the, the honor of working with him for a number of years. Um, he was a very good college player and then played in the old Eastern league. Um, never played in the NBA, but just his whole life was around basketball. And the beauty of his uh, analyzing was the fact that um, he kept it very simple. He didn't get into two details. Uh, sometimes he just went off feel on what he felt. Didn't always use numbers. Um, and that's to me, um, what made him so good is that he kept his analysis very simple where anybody who was watching could understand what he meant when he was commenting about a team or a player. Well, the next one, of course, is, uh, my ex teammate and, uh, lived with us for a season, Walt Frazier. <laughs> uh, 
Well, for a kid who grew up in New York as a as a Knicks fan, and when I was a kid living in in Yonkers, New York, I had a I had a poster of Clyde up in my room. That, by the way, is still up. Um, my mother still lives in the house I grew up in, and the poster is still there. Um, and to go from uh, from idolizing him as a kid to then getting to work with him, then to have a 25-year on-air relationship to now becoming wonderful again, lifetime friends, uh, that's the stuff that you, you, you just can't possibly dream of. And, um, you know, he's he's such a spectacular uh, was such a spectacular player, but people, many young, the younger generation, they don't know him as much as a player. They, they, they just love him as a broadcaster. And again, it's because uh, even after all these years, he still has a love and passion for the game. I think that's what, what his appeal is right now. Well, what about uh, who I think right now is, uh, is arguably between he and the last gentleman I'm going to name, probably the most analytical, smart, common sense commentator I've ever heard. And that's Hubie Brown. What about Hubie? It's, um, you know, I, I get sometimes emotional talking about him because he's become like a father figure for me and for so many others. I mean, at 86 years old, actually might even be 87. Now I'd have to double check. Um, his enthusiasm has never changed, never changed. And, you know, you, you always talk about uh, you know, the older generation, they, they look back and, and they look at the new generation and say, ah, we were better than you were. He's never thought of that. He, he yeah. has gone with the way the game has changed. Sure, he has his old-fashioned values still in a lot of ways, but he's changed with the way the game has changed. And he has just as much respect and admiration for today's player as he did when he first got into coaching when he was an assistant with the Bucks back in the 70s when they had the then Lou Alcindor and, and Oscar Robertson. Uh, yeah. And it's you know, he has spent his whole life around basketball. He has more stories than anyone. And uh, I, I just pray that, that he's going to be able to do it for, for many more years because he is, he's just, you, you guys use the word legend. That's, that's your definition of a legend. Now, the last gentleman, you, you two and Mark should have a reality show. But <laughs> Jeff Van Gundy says some of the craziest, makes sense comments that i've ever heard i mean it'll you think about it and say oh i know what he was thinking about oh that's what and then it happens or else it just happened in the event but give us something on jeff van gundy who you spar with continually through the broadcast <laughs> well the thing the thing with with jeff and mark is I, I say this all the time that the beauty of my job is every game i do with them two things happen i i learn and i laugh and I think that's the point. They both understand that, yeah, basketball is, is serious. And when it's time to talk serious and talk strategy, uh, they're right there. And when serious issues come about, they're right there. But they also, they, they enjoy themselves so much uh, and have so much fun working, and, and, and I do as well, obviously, with them, uh, that they think there's, there's, there should be some laughter in every broadcast as well and the way they balance it. And sometimes three-men boots don't work, guys. Uh, but here's why it works with them, because not only do they respect each other, but they really like each other. And there is no competition for airtime. If Mark dominates one game, it's because he has more stuff to say or there's more things that pertain to what he wants to look at. If Jeff dominates another game, um, Mark, same thing, will hold back. It, it, it's amazing how they don't compete for airtime. 
it's amazing how uh, they just work so well together. And that's not an easy thing, you know, during the course of a broadcast. But uh, it's been so much fun. We, we've all known each other for about 25 years. We've all watched our kids grow up together. And um, it's, it's been re- really one of, the, one of the great parts of my whole career is being able to work with these two guys for so long. Hey, Mike, we've got about a minute left. Uh, I always like to ask one fun question, just so our listeners can learn something about uh, whoever is sitting in that legend's chair. So I'm going to pull this out of your bio. You've completed... Oh, uh-oh. No, no. You've, <laughs> no, this is, it's a testament to your work ethic and just what you do, preparation. You've completed three New York City marathons. That's amazing. I mean, for everything else wow. that you're doing, now, now you go out and run 26 miles? Well, it was, it was a, a, something I, I developed later in life. Um, and because I was never a runner, I always played basketball and played full-court basketball, played in 35 and over leagues and, you know, always loved to play. But then as you get older, you can't do it. And from health purposes, I needed to continue some kind of running. And um, I had a friend of mine who would run a couple of marathons, and I – I figured, all right, let me let me see if I can try. And I got into it very much, and it's become a huge part of my life. Um, I, I still, to this day, I run. I, I, I don't think I can run a marathon anymore. <laughs> but um, And I love to run to music. And so I combine two loves, running and music, together, and that's what's, that's what's kind of kept me in at least semi-decent shape and allows me to have as much dessert and as much wine as possible. <laughs> see, I, I'm thinking if I took up running, I'd do 26 blocks. Not 26 miles. I mean, that's extraordinary, unbelievable. Well, the, the first the first time Tim I ever I ever went for a run was with the at the time he was the next strength and conditioning coach. His name was Greg Brittenham, and I asked him to help me kind of get in shape, running shape. So he says, "All right," he says, "We'll try we'll try two miles." So I went for a run with Greg Brittenham. This is in San Antonio, uh, and Eric Anderson, the former uh, University of Indiana star who played for the Knicks at the time, and about a half mile in. I was off to the side of the road, throwing up, uh, wheezing, <laughs> could hardly breathe. And Eric Anderson actually said to Greg Brittenham, he goes, is he going to die? Because that's how awful I look. So every, everybody starts at a very small level, and you, you slowly work your way up to it. <laughs> that's awesome. Well, Mike, again, it has been an honor to have you here with us uh, as I said, just this uh, legendary, iconic voice of NBA basketball that we all know and love. So uh, for you to be with us on Cavs HQ is certainly a pleasure and an honor and look forward, hopefully, to maybe bumping into you this year. But if not, uh, we'll see you virtually. I look forward to it, Tim. Thanks for having me okay, on, Mike. Jim. Okay, I love okay, you, You're partner. the best, babe. You're the best. Love, love to you and your beautiful wife. Mike Green, our guest on Cavs HQ, presented by Sherwin-Williams. Boy, that was Awesome calls and awesome information. Stay with us. We've got more coming right up. The Cavaliers tipped off our annual season of giving by safely assisting those in need this Thanksgiving. A City of Cleveland van was used to deliver 200 reusable gift bags to 200 pre-selected families affiliated with City of Cleveland Resource and Rec Centers, where the Cavs recently completed basketball court refurbishment projects. Each gift bag was filled with a $50 Giant Eagle gift card and some Cavs swag. Cavs in the community, brought to you by Discount Drug Mart. We'll be right back with the second half of Cavs HQ, presented by Sherwin-Williams.
With the fifth pick in the 2020 NBA Draft, the Cleveland Cavaliers select Isaac Okoro from Auburn University. 14 to shoot. Isaac against Brooks. Crossover between. Step back three. Yes! And it fouled him. Dowdy puts it up, missed it. Rebound out of there, Auburn. Here's Okoro on a breakaway against Weatherspoon. Two-hand dunk. Two-hand flush. And we welcome you back to Cavs HQ, presented by Sherwin-Williams, Tim Elkhorn, along with Jim Jones. And yes, you heard right there, going back to last Wednesday, Commissioner Adam Silver announcing the Cavaliers with the fifth pick, selecting Isaac Okoro, and then some really exciting calls from the play-by-play voice of the Auburn Tigers, Andy Burcham, who joined us on our special draft night program last Wednesday. So, Jim, uh, let's talk a little bit about this Cavs' number one pick. Uh, freshman out of Auburn, Isaac Okoro. And the first thing uh, that anybody had to say about Isaac, including his ke- head coach at Auburn, Bruce Pearl, this young man is NBA ready to play defense. Yeah, and that's what he hangs his head, where he hangs his head. You know, the uh, it's been well documented that that he's asked around, you know, people have asked him questions and he said, I want to make a difference on defense. And that's playing right into the way Coach Bickerstaff plays. Uh, uh, B, uh, Coach Bickerstaff, we haven't seen a lot of him because he only coached 11 games. But if you remember when he was in Memphis, they were always number one, number two, and number three on the defensive end. And that's where he hangs his hat. And if you watch the finals, the teams that could defend when they had to get stops are the teams that advanced. And that's where the Cavs are going. They want to get in the playoffs, and they know to get there. They're going to score enough points, They're, you know, but to, to get there and to advance, you have to defend. This kid fits. He's a legitimate small forward, six, seven and a half, six, eight with shoes on. He's about 225. He's got an attitude. He doesn't take a step back. And can you imagine, Tim, Sexton, Garland, Wendler, Porter running the break with another young player who likes to run, likes to defend, who likes to facilitate? I just think it's a win-win for the Cavaliers. Jim, uh, as you talk about Isaac Okoro and all the comments that we heard Wednesday night and during his uh, press conference when he was introduced to the media here in Cleveland, which we will hear some of uh, coming up on Cavs HQ, to work on the defensive end, to want to excel on the defensive end, shows an incredible mental toughness and a determination and a discipline because most young players want to excel on the offensive end, and, and not that Isaac doesn't. But to have that mindset that I want to excel on the defensive end of the floor, that just shows you the work ethic that this young man will bring to the Cavaliers. Yeah, and he's not afraid, you know, because think about it, Tim. The, the 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 profile for our league is constantly changing. You know, okay, it went from the big man inside, inside out. It went to the Michael Jordans, you know, playing the two guard, getting down the floor, being super athletic and taking advantage of people and pace. And now the league has changed again. It's back to the small forward. Kawhi Leonard, Tatum at Boston, Jalen Brown at Boston, and Dunchik. The kid with Dallas, he's a forward. He's a small forward that handles the ball. We had no answer for those guys last season, just as well as most of the league 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 has. But think about it. 
if you can get a small forward, athletic, who can match them from a physical athletic perspective, and as, and as you mentioned, Tim, who's tough and hard-nosed, he can make a difference. He can have impact on the game because of his defense. Now let's talk about his offense because, Jim, uh, to be up front, uh, and even Bruce Pearl, his coach at Auburn, said uh, he's got to work on the offensive game, especially his shot. Uh, it seems to be somewhat flat, doesn't have enough air underneath it. Uh, how challenging will that be? He's still a very young man, won't be 20 until January, but to work with him on changing that shot and improving the shot? Well, they call it reps, and they call it a technique. And technique, and I saw him shoot, Tim. I've been pulling up, and fans, Google, Google and uh, YouTube, you know, this kid's highlights. He shoots a nice shot. At least he leaves his hand out there to give the ball direction. It's just that on the catch of the ball, he needs some work. So it's not a lot of stuff, you know, that he has to change in order to be more efficient in his shooting. And the kid's got a great attitude, so he's going to get better. You and I both have sat on the sideline through practices and watched how they drill and drill and correct our players as far as their set and as far as their follow-through and where they want the ball to hit. All of that is is a part of the way the new NBA is, is developing because of the youth of these players. They call it development. He will develop. And, and or excuse me, Jim, one of the things that we heard uh, was Andy Burcham uh, with a couple of dunk calls. So the, the young man, Isaac Okoro, is really, really quick. He can get up and down the floor. So as you said earlier, uh, you put him in a situation where he can beat guys down the floor. He won't have to rely on that jumper. No, he, he won't. And when they do, he does a lot enough of, of the good things. He likes the offensive rebound. But see, a lot of times the way our game is structured – Pace of the game determines the game, but pace can only be determined by defense. You have to get stops. You have to turn that ball over. You have to win situations when it's three on two and two on one. You got to be able to get some of those stops in order to give yourself an advantage when there's less players in the half court so you can get more open looks. That's what this kid brings to the table. That is the part of the dynamic that he brings to this team. Jim, I wanted to ask you about the league that Isaac Okoro is playing college basketball in or did play college basketball in at Auburn. Uh, How much can a real tough college basketball conference prepare you for the NBA? Well, I think he played at Auburn. Yes. I mean, Bruce Pearl doesn't play. See, I I go back with Bruce Pearl when he was at University of Wisconsin-Milwaukee when everybody said, where? (laughs) <laughs> and uh, Bruce and Bruce Pearl got him into the NCAA. I think they won a couple games. But he's a dynamic coach, very demanding. And uh, when you and, and when you're in his program, you know what you're expected to do. And he stays with that. The thing I like about about that conference is the toughness, because it's a football conference. And the fans and the students there, they want to see a certain kind of fo- uh, basketball, uh, be, because they're so ingrained in football. It's a physical conference. You know, and uh, that's the kind of atmosphere and climate that this kid has come from. I'm excited, Tim, and you, you can you can hear it in my voice. I'm stuttering because faithful, go on YouTube and look at this kid's highlights, and then you'll understand what I'm talking about. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll give you a moment to calm down, Jim. We'll give you a few moments to calm down. We'll take a time out. <laughs> And when we come back, Jim Jones and I will delve further into uh, Isaac Okoro, the Cavs' number one draft pick in the 2020 draft. We'll hear 
from the freshman out of Auburn. We'll also hear from uh, Kobe Altman and J.B. Bickerstaff, Cavs head coach. So stay with us. We'll have more on Cavs HQ, presented by Sherwin-Williams, right after this. Welcome back. Cavs HQ, presented by Sherwin-Williams. Tim Elkhorn, along with Jim Jones, and, of course, great work by the guys on the other side of the window, Marty Allen, Kurt McLaughlin, Leo Simone. They're really the guys that make all this happen. Jim, you and I are just bit players in this production. No question about it. That's not debatable. I mean, we have the best, most experienced professional crew that are making us look good. It's like putting makeup on a, on a screen actor. I mean, they, they put the makeup on and all we go out there to do is recite the words. <laughs> and of course, boy, uh, boy, hey Tim, was I grabbing for something? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, man, you were you were digging deep there, my friend. But uh, but well said, very well said. And of course, uh, Marty and Kurt uh, were with us on draft night, uh, along with yes. Scott Zarilla for our NBA draft show, which uh, many stations along the Cavaliers radio network picked up. And the Cavs at that number five pick in the first round, uh, perhaps surprised a few folks uh, with Isaac Okoro, the freshman out of Auburn. And, of course, uh, Jim and I were talking during the last segment about uh, his defensive skill set already. He's just an elite defender. Uh, The offensive game uh, certainly uh, is good, but it needs to get a little bit better, and he will work on that. So, uh, Jim, let's go back to uh, draft night because when the Cavs were sitting there at number five, uh, they had a few options, uh, still some very solid players up on the board, and we'll hear from Kobe Altman, Cavs GM, in just a moment. But uh, as you were listening to that Cavs draft show on the uh, Cavs radio network and perhaps watching the screen on ESPN, uh, what was going through your mind as the Cavs were on the clock? Well, the main thing is that, uh, you know, you always have an option. You know, by the time you get the fifth pick, you know, the first and second picks are pretty well determined. But if when you've got the fifth pick, you have some options and those and uh, and those options uh, usually break down into need and trying to get the best player athletically, usually. And then and then the third thing is usually the skill set. But the Cavaliers satisfied two of the three. They got the need and the need was to get a legitimate small forward. The second thing is they probably got the most the second or first most athletic player at his position in the draft. And that is this kid, uh, Isaac Okoro. You know, that is special because now you went in there level-headed. You know, you didn't listen to the press. You knew exactly what you wanted, but more importantly, you knew exactly what you needed. And we have needed a small forward. Well, of course, uh, on Friday, Isaac Okoro, along with Kobe Altman, Cavs GM, head coach J.B. Bickerstaff, held a uh, virtual news conference to introduce Isaac Okoro to the Cleveland media. So uh, they all had comments during that news conference. We'll start off with Cavs GM Kobe Altman, and he was asked, uh, sitting there at number five on draft night uh, when the Cavs were on the clock, uh, what were they looking for? I think we were tremendously fortunate that we got the the right fit in terms of player and the best talent on the board as well. And, and that's hard to do because uh, you're always sort of weighing the right fit versus who's the best available talent. Um, and, and Isaac, Isaac was both. 
So Cavaliers GM Kobe Altman talking about, just as you said, Jim, uh, a fit as far as a positional, but a need, and the need was to improve this team on the defensive end of the floor. Yeah, it, it is. You know, Tim, that's been a glaring thing for even in our championship year and the four times going to the finals, uh, our defense was, was, was probably some of the worst in the league. We were just so dominating, and we had that truly dominating player, that once-in-a-lifetime player. But moving forward, you know, uh, Kobe is and uh, Bickerstaff, Ganzi, the whole staff, you know, our basketball people, they really understand what they need. You know, there's always illusions. You know, there's always uh, uh, pressure you know, to do what's, you know, what's, what's easy, but they have worked themselves into a position by what they've done before that. They've got Garland, who's a true playmaker. They have a big play kid in Sexton. They got the maturity of love, who's a tough matchup every night because he can go outside and make shots at six foot 10, just like a guard. And then, and, and then at the other side, now you've got big Drummond and Drummond's a tough physical matchup. The, but the way the game is changing, transition defense becomes number one. If you can't stop a team in transition, either stop the quick shot or else you, you're not matching up properly when you get into that side of the court, you're not going to beat teams in this league. This kid allows us at the one, two, and the three spot to play faster and be also put ourselves in position to slow these teams down and force them to have to guard us five on five where you got help and talking and all that other stuff to support your defense. And, and Jim, it's interesting because earlier you referenced the fact how the NBA has evolved uh, from a big man's league to a wing league. I mean, every team pretty much has a dominant player. The, the, the elite teams have a dominant player at that wing position. So in the chess match between the coaches, uh, you need that defensive player on your team to slow down that other team's dominant wing. You're exactly right. Come on, Jimmy Butler, Dunchick, Jalen Brown, Tatum, Kawhi Leonard. I mean, I mean, every team has one who can get the job done for them every night. And if you can't compete against them, get crucial stops against those kind of players, you're not going to make the playoffs. This was the best time for us, based on what the Cavaliers had done previously in the, in the, in the last couple of drafts and then the trades that they've made. They put themselves in this position where they finally could draft a quality small forward spot. This kid can get it done. He's a super athlete, but he's super intelligent. He has character. It's almost too good to be true. Everything that I've read, I saw the press conference uh, when the you know when they did the virtual and some of the things this kid said, it just it just stayed with me. Tim, the one thing that he said, and and I know I'm going long, but they interviewed his mother. You know, they talked to him on being the fifth pick, and then they talked to his mother, and she asked, "What did you tell him?" And you know what she said? Be humble, and don't forget where you came from. Right. I had to get up and go get a glass of water. Well, I'll tell the kids it was water, but it was a glass of wine, but. <laughs> Tim, having a reality that is conducive to being productive. No illusions. I'm not going to be something I'm not. I'm going to do what's necessary. And what's the first thing out of this kid's mouth? I want to help us make the playoffs, and I want to help have, and I want to have impact on the defensive side. Hey, 
Book closed. Beautiful. There you go. Well, let's hear from Isaac Okoro, the number five pick overall. And, of course, uh, he now needs to make that transition from college basketball to the NBA. Uh, here's what he had to say about that. What excites me is just the experience, you know, being around my teammates here, just learning from the veterans and just everybody that's been here is what's going to excite me. And, you know, it's just the pace of the game. What I got to learn is just the pace, you know, not rushing all my shots or rushing, getting on the court, just slowing down and taking my time. Was that a number 35? Is there a, is there a reason behind the 35? Uh, that, was, that was my high school uh, number. And, you know, I'm going to keep it. We were winners in high school, so I just plan on taking that here too. And, Jim, a couple of great Cavs in the past that wore 35. Uh, one, Jimmy Clemens, who you know very well, and then another yep. defensive-minded small forward and Phil Hubbard. Oh, man. Oh, you've done your homework, partner. I like it. <laughs> and you know what? And you know, and you know what, but could Tim in the tone, his tone was confident, no arrogance, just confident, a kid that sounds like he knows what's expected of him, even at this early stage, that's going to accelerate his playing time, his ability to understand what we expect out of him and then get him out. He said the pace is too fast, you know, so he's got to learn to slow down. And a lot of times when you hear coaches or players talk about slowing down, what they're usually saying is that, look, it's a 48-minute game. You can make that pass. You're going to get another shot just in the course of ball movement. So you don't have to try to, every time you get the ball, you know, force up a shot. That's basically what they mean by the game slowing down. And, of course, uh, with the draft last Wednesday and camp opening December 1st, uh, that's going to be a quick turnaround for Isaac Okoro. Uh, J.B. Bickerstaff, head coach, was asked about that. Uh, I think it's going to be easy because of what he does naturally. Um, you know, our objective is to allow him to play to his strengths and, you know, being able to defend, being able to share the ball and make his teammates better. You know, those are all just part of basketball. Uh, we'll obviously teach him our system, um, but, you know, the way he competes, how hard he plays uh, night in, night out, you know, that's a priority for us. So he does that already. Um, but, you know, we've got a lot of stuff to put in as far as plays and those types of things. Uh, we expect him to hit the ground running. And, you know, we'll start as soon as we possibly can with some individual stuff, uh, some film uh, and things like that to help him get off to a great start. Uh, J.B. Bickerstaff excited to see young Isaac Okoro in a Cavaliers uniform. I'm excited to see him, too. All right, we'll take a quick timeout. When we come back, Jim Jones and I will put the finishing touches on this week's edition of Cavs HQ, presented by Sherwin-Williams. Welcome back to Cavs HQ, presented by Sherwin-Williams, as we put the finishing touches on this week's edition. Again, huge thanks to Marty Allen, Kurt McLaughlin, Leo Simone on the other side of the glass. Jim Jones, fun show. Boy, Mike Breen, the legendary NBA voice, and of course, uh, a lot of talk about Isaac Okoro. We're excited about this young man in a Cavaliers uniform. Yeah, and we should be. You know, he's uh, he's just what we needed, and he's the best player at that position, and the Cavaliers were very fortunate. But, Tim, they put themselves in that position by the way that they've made the moves in trades and also in the draft. Uh, thumbs up to the Cavaliers. I love the I love the pick. Absolutely. Jim, to you and yours, have a happy Thanksgiving. And to all of our Cavs listeners, happy Thanksgiving to you as well. We'll talk again next week. Until then, so long, everybody.